بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وآله وأصحابه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله وبركاته وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله وبركاته وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله وبركاته Okay, today we're joined here with our brother Abdullah from university. You want to tell him a little bit about yourself? Yes, assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. My name is Abdullah. Um, I'm Nigerian. I have a little bit of Mauritanian in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, I go to the university. Alhamdulillah. I'm trying to be an engineer. Alhamdulillah. And um, yeah, I think for me, my main goal is just to try to spread as much da'wah as I can on campus. So. Funny story, we were recording a video last week, you guys will see that soon, inshallah, and we stumbled across Abdullah, we were coming, we were going towards the prayer room, because, uh, you know, mashallah, the, the university has a prayer room, he was coming out, and he was like, I know, I know y'all, I know, he's like, I know y'all, y'all from yeah. Instagram, and then we went, we played trivia with him, and you guys saw that, we put on TikTok and Instagram, and he was, and then we had an hour-long conversation with him off camera, and he was like, it was amazing, Allahumma barik, today I wanted to start the podcast episode with are you guys, I wanted to ask you guys, are you guys familiar with the the dua of Suleiman alayhi salam? Brother brought out the notebook. <laughs> like, are you guys familiar with the dua of Suleiman alayhi salam? No, go ahead. Suleiman alayhi salam, his dua, he said, he asked Allah, look, quite literally, he asked Allah, he said, my Lord, give me a kingdom in which no one else will inherit it after me. After me. No. Now, what I want to point out here, well, also the fact that Allah answered his dua, gave him the kingdom. Suleiman, he was, he was a great king. But I also want to point out, look at the nature of the dua. Why not today, in today's time, do we have, like, when's the last time you've asked for a business empire? Or when's the last time you asked for Allah to raise you up as a leader amongst people mm. and lead them? I'm asking y'all. I'm asking, I'm asking y'all. When's the last time? I'm not going to lie. You just prayed also. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I also want to bring up, like, um, there's verses, like, in Surah Anbiya, it says, this is chapter, uh, this is verse 83. It says, and mentioned Job, Ayyub, when he called to his Lord, indeed, ad- uh, adversity has touched me, and you are the most merciful of the merciful. And then the following verse, Allah says, so we responded to him. Mm-hmm. And we gave him, and removed from what afflicted of him of adversity, and we gave him back his family, and like thereof with them, them as mercy from us, and a reminder for those who worship Allah. Allah Look at the nature of Allah towards his servants, and the nature of the du'a of his servants towards uh, Allah's servants towards him. I wanted to ask you guys, when the, what role has du'a played in your life and where we are now? Your first of the law. Your first of the law. Um, so I think something I've been trying to incorporate recently is qiyam. Mm-hmm. And wallahi al-azim, I was actually telling my friends about this. I told them that the moment I started making du'a, my qiyam, that is when Allah accepted every single one of my guys. I'm trying to get an internship this summer. I just woke up in the middle of the night and I said, Ya Allah, you know my situation. I want to get an internship. Wallahi al-azim. A few hours after, I got an offer. Wallahi al-azim. You know, you know what, what do they say? They say it's like the arrow that doesn't miss its target. That's like the tahajjud, the qiyam. And it's like, and I love what you said. Allah knows my situation. You know, yeah. the names we hear of Allah, Sami al-Basir, he is the yeah. hearing and the seeing. And he is aware. The all-seeing. Yeah, the all-hearing. All-hearing. Like, all yeah. Alim, like, yeah. the all-knowing. Yeah. The exactly. All-knowing. He is yeah. aware. So, you know, when you have those internal struggles and it feels like no one else understands you, 
Yeah, Allah, you know my situation. Or yeah, exactly. Sometimes I'm I'm trying to make a dua. I can't even put I can't even put my situation into words. So then I say, Yeah, Allah, you know my situation. You know what's in my heart. You know what I you know what I desire right now. No, I've actually had that that situation before a couple of times where like, you know, when you when you make a dua to Allah, people always say like, oh, they talk to Allah sometimes like it's their friend. But me, I like to try to articulate my words with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Like I want to ask in the in the best manner possible, because for for me internally, it's more like. If I ask Allah in the best words and the best manner possible, even though he knows what I'm trying to do, for me, it's like it's the same way as like asking asking dua. He knows what's in your heart already, but you still want to say it out loud. Yeah, yeah. You want to voice that because so Allah can hear you anyway, yeah, even though he already knows. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because, you know, like, why does Allah tell us to call upon him when he is aware of what it's it's because dua is a, it's a form of worship. It's ibadah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But of course, the way that you just said it, you call upon Allah in in a manner that, befits you know, him. that befits him. Why? You have to understand who you're talking to. You're talking to the Lord of the worlds here. Like, let's say there was this great king or great leader. Matter of fact, we don't even need to go there. Let's go to a celebrity that you got that a lot of people like to idolize. You know, people will do anything to go see this person. But yeah, when it comes to the relationship with Allah, you know, they neglect it. But here, whenever we're making dua, we should call upon Allah with the best of names. There's a, there's, a, there's a certain way you should make your dua. You should, you know, glorify Allah, send salawat upon the prophet, and then ask for what you want and do the same right afterwards. You know, this is, this is a way of getting your dua accepted. And it's a means towards success, not only spiritually, but like in the dunya. And I want to I wanna point out more verses from Surah Nuh. And this is not even in regards to dua. This is just regular, everyday things that you could do. And Nuh says, I mean, you know, you guys know the story of Nuh. He called out to his people 900 years. No. He says, and, and Nuh said, and said, ask, uh, and said, ask forgiveness of your Lord. Indeed, he is the perpe- uh, ever a perpetual forgiver. And then the following verse, he said, he will send rain from the sky upon you in continuing showers. And then the following verse, he says, and give you increases in wealth and children to provide for you, uh, provide for you gardens and provide with you rivers. And then he says in the following verse, what is the matter with you that you do not attribute to Allah do grandeur? Like Love his dual greatness. This is a great, this is a great thing that you brought up because I was going to bring this up later on. Uh, istighfar is a great way for provision and earning Allah's mercy. So not only do you earn Allah's mercy by asking him for forgiveness, but Allah will provide for you by what he, what he just told here to Nuh salam. You know, you call out to Allah, you make istighfar, Allah will provide for you from ways that, you know, you wouldn't even imagine. And what does he say after? Like, why, why, why don't you take advantage of this? Mm-hmm. You're sitting there, you know that Allah will provide for you if you make istighfar. Why are you still sitting there, you know, whenever something bad happens to you, a cuss word comes out of your mouth instead of yeah. istighfar. Yeah. And we're not even like, istighfar, it's not a, like... Allah says, it says in the Quran, it says, like, he'll provide for you wealth and gardens. But we also we also know that, like, it's, it's in provision. When you seek forgiveness from Allah, you get increase in, in provision. Yeah. And provision is not just money. It's also included. It's like the barakah. It's like... Uh, cleansing your, your heart. You're cleansing your heart. It's the knowledge. It's also knowledge. knowledge. And remember, we have the, the joke amongst ourselves. Like, oh, if you forget something, like, dude, stop sinning. And stuff like Look, that. Yeah. Risk can be many forms. Like you said, it could be material. It could be some, uh, something internal. It could be the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to seek in the Quran. He tells you to seek to be righteous, to, to fear him, to seek his mercy. When you when you have those things in your heart, that's that's going to be a form of risk because like imagine in my situation, it's a bad situation. But because I turn to Allah, I'm content with my situation. That's a form of sustenance because I'm content with my situation no matter what. No matter if I have zero dollars in my bank account or I have a billion, mm-hmm. I'll be content no matter what. Mm-hmm. Because I know the reason why my situation looks the way it is mm-hmm. and the way that it turns around. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just, beautiful. Sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. And just to piggyback off of what you just said, Allah says in the Quran, mm-hmm. And whoever relies upon Allah, then he's sufficient for him. So we need to probably learn about 
reliance, total reliance upon mm-hmm. Allah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is said, the Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Allah will favor those who relied solely upon Him and asked them when they were in times of need mm-hmm. instead of going to other people and asking them for things, especially if they were broke or if they were sick or whatever the situation may be. SubhanAllah. And, it's, and it goes back to that verse. Why do you not attribute to Allah that, that due grandeur, His due greatness? You don't treat Allah as if He's Malikul Mulk, the, the King of all kings. And, and I want to I wanna, like get a little bit personal in here. I remember when, back when I wasn't really, like maybe when I was 12, 13, when I really, wasn't really practicing like the religion. And I remember... When I'm, I'm not thinking about Allah, my conversations are filthy. My, like, my, what I'm looking at is filthy. What I'm hearing is filthy. What I'm doing is I'm wasting time. I'm, all, I'm, like, I'm playing the game. Like, I'm not thinking. It's not, it's not passing through my mind the thought of the hereafter or the thought of Allah or good things. What we would attribute to that is good things. As soon, as soon, I remember this was after I came back from the Sudan. As soon as I started praying, saying like, and I started feeling guilt in my heart, like saying, stuck for Allah, like, dude, I can't, I can't be doing this. As soon as that started happening, my conversations changed. Mm-hmm. The people I hung around changed. Allah. My mindset on life changed. Yeah. I want to know, did that happen with you guys? Man, 100%. Like, 100%. like you look at the way that would, 100%. who I hang around today. Like, I don't hang around very many people. I don't even leave the house very much. It's because I don't see the need to anymore. Like before, the only way I thought I could have fun was if I went out and I did something. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, having fun is relative to what I feel like is having fun. Bro, I could have fun just sitting there and learning something about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or maybe it's not even have to do with anything with learning. Many Sometimes it's just spending time with myself. That it doesn't I even have, have to be, yeah, it doesn't have to like, deal with fun. Like this concept of fun, like the standard that, especially since we live in the West, the standard that it, they uphold for fun is that you have to go party, drinking, and you gotta, nah, you gotta oh get messed God. up. You gotta forget about what happened the night before for it to be a good night. Like, come on, that, it, that's not... Like, that's not our standard, you know? The reason why you can't, like, especially that standard of fun where, oh, you should for, like you should be forgetting what happened the night before. Oh, I don't remember everything that happened. That's where you, like, lose yourself because, first off, if I'm ever in a state of forgetfulness, then how do I remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Mm-hmm. Why do you think you can't pray when you're intoxicated? You can't yeah. remember Allah. You can't actually focus on, like, the words that you have to read in, in Surah Al-Fatiha. Or when I say that I hang out by myself, it's more just so, like, Think about the way that I'm protected right now. I'm enjoying myself, but yet I'm not engaging in any haram. No. I'm not looking at anything filthy. No. I'm not I'm not saying anything filthy that's coming out of my mouth. No. I can always think about Allah when I'm by myself or whenever I'm hanging around people who are doing the same thing as me, remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they encourage me to do that or I encourage myself to do that. Mm-hmm. Before that, if I was hanging around non-Muslims, it was w- way harder to do that. Mm-hmm. I'd have to do that in like times where it was by myself. Whenever I see like, if I see someone doing something haram, then I'd remember Allah because I fear like me doing something like that. And I want to ask Abdullah, what yeah. is the remembrance of Allah? And like, I don't know if you like, you were always practicing. I don't know. What is istighfar, dua, the remembrance of Allah, prayer? What does this have to do? Like, what did that have to do with your life? So for me personally, so they say that iman goes up and down. Mm-hmm. So yes, alhamdulillah, I've been practicing, but there have been times I've had really high iman. Mm-hmm. There have been times I've had yeah, really, really low iman. And so when I've had low iman, I have to bounce back. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do I get back to having high iman? Mm-hmm. Istighfar. So you have to, I had to be on my salawat, like early, as soon as it comes in, make sure you pray. Prophet Sallallahu he said, the best of the deeds are the ones that salah. Yeah, exactly. So that, and then istighfar. Make sure that I do istighfar a hundred times a day, at least. At least. And wallahi has changed my whole mindset. And something you told me too a few days ago, I don't know if you remember, mm-hmm. it still resonates with me. You told me, you said, if you want your life to change, stay in the masjid, do some active ibadah, 
mm-hmm. and then pray Salat al-Duha. Mm-hmm. So now, I stay in the masjid, do istighfar, said Quran, whatever it is, expiation of my sins. Mm-hmm. And then, alhamdulillah, Allah just does everything else for me. I don't have to do anything. Like, that's that's the feeling you, like, that's what I, like how I describe it. Like, Allah just does everything for me. It's like a barakah. It's like, what I wanted to do, like, it's happening. And that's going back to risk. The form of sustenance is, can also be peace of mind because peace of mind is not very easy to come by nowadays with mm-hmm. all the things that you're surrounded by. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. act like peace of mind is the hardest thing to obtain nowadays. You know, they, you know, they go out, they do their things, they party, whatever, and they still don't have peace of mind. Yet, what do they do? They complain and then they come up with alternatives, which is just a temporary escape, which is only going to worsen them in the future. What are they doing? What are they ultimately doing? They're only delaying themselves and procrastinating. And what have we talked about before? Procrastination is, is a disease. And I saw this really, I saw this really nice video the other day. It was actually a Nigerian guy. He actually really? said something. He said, procrastination is the assassination to all destination. <laughs> that was one of the craziest things that I that I heard. Yeah, that's amazing. But Allah is so true. Wow. Wow. Um, something that you just said though. So Allah says the Quran. I think it's either woman or for men. Yeah, so if you stay away from our remembrance, surely you're going to have a depressed life. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be happy, not to say that I, I believe in depression, you know, I believe it's actually real, but a lot of people are not happy with themselves because they don't have a lot in their hearts. Mm-hmm. And you see that some people who are non-Muslim, whenever they become Muslim, Wallahi, the nur just comes into their face. The light just comes into their face. It's like a whole different, like, change. Like change, yeah. yeah. Like a different energy, a different vibe around this person. Yeah. You know, one thing I want to talk about, too, about depression. Even if you have Allah in your life, you may not be protected from depression. There's a reason why we have du'as for things like depression, anxiety. Yeah, the Prophet, and these, Allah, they would send them. As, exactly. Nah, like, nah, yeah, nah. see, that's why it, you may not be protected from it, but you have a way out from depression when you have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like mm-hmm. there could be times where I could be feeling upset or sad or something. Maybe I'm re- uh, regretting something I did in the past or whatever, right? That could make me feel depressed. But then it's that remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knowing that Allah is ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. He's khayrul rahimin. He's the best of the forgivers. Not just the most forgivable, uh, most forgiving, the most merciful. He's the best of them. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. we could be forgiving. I could forgive you if you wrong me. Yep. But Allah is the best of those. Yeah. Like, Anybody, anybody who forgives something that's been wrong to them, they're not going to totally forget it. On the day of judgment, though, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for those who repented, it'll be as if you never committed that sin. Mm-hmm. But if you were to come to me like that, obviously, I'd still remember what you did to me if you wronged me. Yeah, of course. And you know, like what people say, like, it's never going to be the same. You know, like, yeah. like it, I want to touch up on that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he forgives us as if we never even committed the sin. Like a, a part, he pardons and he loves to pardon. And that's like goes back to why do you not attribute to Allah his due grandeur? What has Allah asked of us? That we worship him and, as him and associate no partners with him. And the messengers before us, they came, they went and they gave Tawheed. They said, worship Allah and fear Allah. And then people like Pharaoh and people like Abu Jahl, they wanted to kill this person because they said, I fear Allah and I want to worship him. Like that, that's the utmost of evil and the utmost of kufr. Matter of fact, look, yeah, you know, why don't you, why don't you give to Allah what he deserves? Because look, you got to think about it. If the shaitan right now, if he was to repent to Allah, would Allah forgive him? 100%. 100%. Yeah. But why doesn't he? Because it's arrogance. arrogance. It's <laughs> arrogance. Yeah, you know, you arrogance. sit there. If you don't want to attribute to Allah what he's deserving of, you know, Allah's mercy is there. If you don't want to take advantage of it, you know, that's that's 100% on you. And that's why you will pay for what you did. And here's the reality. If you work hard and you strive hard, Allah says he gives you your due reward. And you will get repaid in full, either in this world or in the next. And you'll get your recompense. Yeah, Allah also in the Quran, he also talks about how 
you know, he always, many times in the Quran, he says, come back to Allah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fafiru ila Allah. And Allah also said, Sabiqu ila maghfiratim min rabbikum wa jannatin a'udhaha ka'udhis sama'i wal ard. And basically like run mm-hmm. to the forgiveness of your Lord. Hasten. Because Allah wants us to forgive us. And I believe it's a hadith that if everyone, mankind never sinned mm-hmm. and obeyed Allah and worshipped him the way that he was supposed to be worshipped and we never committed any sins, Allah would wipe us all out. And replace us with a qawm that sinned but asked him for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Akbar. The the sinning the sinning person asking for forgiveness is better than the prideful person who uh, who doesn't sin. The person who feels pride in these. Yeah, Allah would rather hear the repentance of you know the, the sincere repenter than you know the wicked of the, the arrogant yeah. mm-hmm. prideful person. Like like look yeah. at the nature of like this world. Allah Allah tells us like how many of us really in reality try try our best and strive. This is what Allah has asked of us. Well, if you want to talk about striving, a point that I just really thought of that I I don't think I've ever thought of in my life before was, you know how Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to trust him? Mm-hmm. What about Allah's trust in us? Mm-hmm. He, allowed, he allowed shaitan to come onto this world to try to misguide mankind. Not only that, how how many situations have people been placed in and they thought I couldn't do this, but God thought you could do this. Exactly. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put you through something and he never put you through something you can't bear. So he knows you can get through it. He trusts that you can get through it, but it's all on you to actually do it. Subhanallah. It's it's all going back to perspective because when you mentioned earlier that, you know, you know, you might, you might not necessarily be protected from depression, right? Allah might might send a hardship your way, but ultimately it's up to you on how you react. Are you going to go back to what you were doing before? Are you going to go back to jahiliyyah? Are you going to go back to resorting to haram? Or are you going to go back and turn to Allah? Are you going to turn on the Quran? You're going to make istighfar, try and get back on the right path. You're going to find an issue with yourself and go ahead and try to rectify that issue. It's amazing that you said that because Allah also says in the Quran, He says that you have the people who ask Allah to help them with their situation, right? But then the moment that has situation has been removed and they're not no longer afflicted with whatever they're um, feeling, then they go back to their way. Back to what they were doing before. Yeah, what they were doing before. As Allah if they never called upon Allah. Exactly. As if they never called upon Allah. Mm-hmm. And you were crying mm-hmm. towards Allah saying, Allah, help me. I, I promise I'm never going to do this again. Then Allah helps you and then you go back and then you do it. Like, SubhanAllah. Yes. But hold on. Like, imagine, imagine you as a human being, how you would feel if someone did that to you. You did... You know, you had someone who was rock bottom and you helped them out. You helped them get back on their feet and then they go ahead and they stab you in the back. How are you going to feel about this person? You're going to want to kill this guy. 100%. You're going to want to, you're going to want to ruin their life after that yeah, because yeah. it's just like, how could you do such a thing to me? Like I helped you when nobody else was there to help you. And you're just going to go ahead and backstab me like that. Yeah. yeah. And exactly. let's understand, let's understand that when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, obviously he's not affected by what you do. If mm-hmm. you turn away from Allah as if you never called to him when you were just begging for him to remove an affliction from your life, it's not going to affect him. Right. But speaking about the trust part again, imagine how the way that you can lose trust in someone who wrongs you, right? So mm-hmm. say you forgive them, but you're like, oh, it's never going to be the same. Like you broke yeah. my trust. Mm-hmm. What if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did that? What if you sin, sinned against like something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made haram, right? And he said, I no longer trust you. Now you have to work for the rest of your life to earn his trust. You can't just repent one time and that's it. Because obviously in life, that's not how it's going to work for everybody else. Not right. everybody's just going to forget uh, forgive and forget. And that really that really puts forth the reality, the nature of Allah towards his servant. The, the relationship between slave and uh, like our master. He, it doesn't matter if we mess up one time. 
he will forgive us and it's as if we never even did it and then I, now I want to bring up another point moving forward like in the episode in Surah Isra Allah says and it is a Quran which we have sem- separated in, in by intervals like meaning like they put it down this now the, the entire book didn't come out one time yeah. no. that you might recite it to the people over a prolonged period and we have sent it down progressively now I want to put forth an image in everyone's heads imagine being at the time of the prophet like being so a I'm companion saying. and hearing verses like like hearing oh oh you who have believed obey the contract obey the, obey the contracts or like hearing things like Ar-Rahman, Al-Quran, or hearing these types of verses and you're hearing this and you're like why is why why is Allah sending this down to us so that our people may be guided and I and like I want to like I want to bring like specifically to a specific verse in Surah Nahl verse 22 Allah says your God is one God but those who have not believed in the hereafter their hearts are disapproving and they are arrogant and it's just like you said earlier like Satan say, why doesn't Satan repent it's because they're arrogant Allah describes the same attribute to the people who disbelieve in the message like imagine being at the time of the prophet and hearing these verses or look, even going back, what do you say? Quran. We've talked, we spoke about this before, but just think about it again. Who was mm. the one who taught the Quran the most merciful? The Quran is sent down as a mercy towards you. You mm. know, Allah could have been like Al-Aziz al-Hakim, Al-Quran, you know, the most wise, you know, nah. it, uh, what's nah. it called? He's the one who taught the Quran, but no, he sent it down as a mercy for us, for mm-hmm. us. And we should be in appreciation to Allah for that. We should, we should glorify Allah for that. We should thank Allah for the fact that he sent it down as a mercy for us. Because without the Quran, well, I would be lost. Yeah, of course we'd be lost. Like and, and and imagine there are people who think that the Quran and the Sunnah is not enough. Like that's I, I will never understand that. Like Allah has blessed us, and not only that, he it's it's the fact that he sent it down and he sent down no more like Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was the last messenger. It is enough, and not only that, it's the fact that he has blessed our ummah with so much, our breast Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, his nation with so much, and we are neglectful and we don't we don't think Allah, we don't give Allah due grandeur. And it's very interesting that you just said that because a lot of the things are in the Quran. Allah has, we've already seen it, a lot of the things, mm-hmm. um, the things that he has. And I, and I sit down and I think to myself, you know, you were saying earlier about how the Sahabas were hearing the verses. Some of the verses that they heard, there was absolutely no way that they could have proven what Allah has sent down. What do I mean by that? For example, so to Rome, Allah talks about Rome mm-hmm. and then he says, it's in the lowest part of the earth. There is no way the Sahaba went to Rome to go and verify the elevation mm-hmm. of, of Rome, number one. Number two, where Allah talks about um, how the universe is constantly expanding and stuff like that. Sahaba didn't know. So going back to what you said, you have to have tawakkul in Allah. Everything that Allah has sent down, there's a mercy and it's a guidance for the people. And even though they didn't understand 100%, alif la mim, kaf ha ya ain sad. All right, guys, and we're back, you know, after some technical difficulties. <laughs> Look, listen, I don't even know how that turned yeah. on because you, correlation does not equal causation. I needed Hussein's touch. <laughs> look, right. So look, the last Wait. thing we're on was Tawakkal al-Allah. So he was piggybacking off what you said earlier about yeah. Tawakkal al-Allah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That. Yeah, and I was just talking about how even the Sahabas, the verses that were revealed to them, they didn't even know 100% every single thing that Allah revealed to them, but they believed it so much that Allah raised them in ranks and made them of the best people to ever walk this earth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Speaking but, of like, speaking of that type of belief, if you ever find yourself in doubt, because you like, like you said, Iman, it goes up and down. Nah. When you look at the world and you realize like, this is reality, know that Allah, like this is, this is the haq from Allah. Because that's all Ibrahim alayhi salam needed to see. Ibrahim, Abraham, 
all he needed to see was the world around him. He said, yep, my Lord created me. Nah. He, he knew his Lord was one. And then when Allah revealed it to him, he's, he's, even when the angels came down to him to help him, he didn't want the help of the angels. You want to understand something, though? So you know how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, the way that the world, like the people were created, how through the generations, they progressively got worse and worse. Yeah, mankind used to be a community of believers. Yeah, all the way up until the time of Nuh time, right? Mm -hmm. But nah. then they started committing shirk. But nah. as times went on, yes, there were strong communities of believers. There were strong communities of disbelievers. But look at how much worse they got as time went on because people kept deviating from the path. People kept creating more and more ways for people to disbelieve. Mm -hmm. At first, it, maybe it was it was one idol. Then it became a million. Then it became then it became multiple different. Then it became idols. I don't even believe in a god. Exactly. Yeah. But look look how bad the uh, deception has got has gotten to us. Right when I said earlier that we without the Quran we'd be lost. We even got to the point today where people don't even know their own gender. Can you imagine? Like male and female. Like you don't even know what you are anymore. You don't even know who you are anymore. That's <laughs> to the point where you know we have what we have become from things that we did. You know, we forgot a lot to the point where Allah made us forget ourselves in doing good actions and whatnot. And not just that. Now, nowadays, we're sitting here. We we have even some of our own Muslims who have watered down the religion. Nah. Like Islam is in between two extremes, right? There's the mm -hmm. there's the part where you water down the religion, and then there's the part where you're so extreme that you can't live in that manner any longer. And mm -hmm. that's from the Hadith of the of the Prophet that we take the middle path. Now, speaking of this watered down version of the religion, the reason I'm bringing this up is because over the past couple years i've been seeing it within myself obviously because i'm gaining more knowledge within the deen of islam is people doing things while still being muslim that are have no grounds in islam and people don't understand what it means that oh just because this has nothing to do with islam they have no idea how it affects them how it affects the religion how it affects society but, but hold on why why are they watering down the religion are they scared of the kuffar are they trying to impress the kuffar are they imitating the kuffar is it all of the above all of the above like you have to understand when you sit there and you do something and you implement something into the religion that wasn't supposed to be there in the first place. What are you ultimately doing? You know, you're creating an innovation and you don't even know how bad that that can be. You don't know the types of effect it'll have on you and society. And going back to Allah said in Surah Ali Imran, none knows it's hitting meanings except Allah. Mm -hmm. So when you sit there and you you put things into the religion. You have to, you, you can't even understand how bad these things are. And, and, and you know, the reality is the people that place things into religion, force things into religion, it just shows they don't understand. Why? Because if you really understood religion, you would know that Allah provided us with everything we need to go to Jannah. You don't need nothing more, nothing like it's, it's nothing more, nothing less. Let me pose y'all a question so that we could talk about this. So tell me, so no, not tell me, tell the people out there who don't understand why things like Christmas or Valentine's Day or Mother's Day or Halloween or this new hijab day, why are they an innovation if they don't do anything with Islam? Hijab day? Is it hijab day? Because yesterday was the first day that I ever found out about it. And the thing is, when it comes to, let's say, World Hijab Day, mm -hmm. I understand that, you know, some of them, they might have pure intention behind it. But at the same time, though, you have to understand what you're doing here. You know, is this something that is imitating the kuffar? Or is it something that, you know, we're meant to celebrate as Muslims? Because there's an authentic hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam where it says that Allah has appointed two days for us to celebrate, which is Eid al-Fitr and Eid al-Adha. So if we're doing anything other than that, then we have to understand what we're doing is wrong. And it's, it's as simple as that. You know, when we're in dispute about something, go back to the Quran and Sunnah and you'll find things like that. And you know what's crazy is like... Like the name is like World Hijab Day, and like you didn't know about it. I didn't no. know about it. Apparently, it's been going on for years. I didn't know about it until like literally just yesterday, and we brought it up in a conversation. I'm like, dude, wait, 
like men, we have a hijab as well. Like, why don't like are we not being celebrated? Like, and it's like it's like wh what is the point of this? What is? But hold on, here's the problem. On top of that, whenever a brother try or let's say even a sister, let's say a brother though, he he goes to advise you know these people on World Hijab Day. He gets slandered. He gets you know all sorts of comments. You know, talking about leave us alone, yada yada yada. But ultimately. This is your brother in Islam and he's looking out for you. He wants you to go to Jannah and you're out here bashing him and slandering him for trying to keep you on the right path. We as human beings, we have the desires. We're going to go ahead and fall and uh, stray off of it. We're going to stray off the straight path. But when someone tries to bring you back to the religion, this is not the type of person that you're going to uh, bash and start hating on. I remember seeing a comment of this a, a woman advising another woman on hijab and someone else replied to that comment saying, shut up. Like, can you like, imagine yeah. that? And, and it's just like you said, look at the reality of the situation. When someone tries to advise you or someone tells you something that's right, why do you ignore the fact that they're telling you something that's right? Like they're trying to help you. Like why you got to take them from the perspective that they're not trying to belittle, belittle you. They're not trying to make fun of you. They're not trying to make you look bad. It's that they're trying to help you. Ultimately, imagine if you adhere to what someone said, adhere to a reminder and you went to Jannah because of that. They are undermining a fundamental principle in the religion, which is a deen and nasiha. The religion is advice. Mm -hmm. So if someone comes to you and gives you advice, that is part of the religion. And you should take it. And actually, one of the rights that a Muslim has upon another Muslim is advice. If Even if you hate that person and he comes and he says advise me, you have to advise that person. And I was thinking to myself yesterday, genuinely, I was like, okay, with the issue of the world hijab day that you just brought up. Allah talks about anytime Allah talks about in the Quran something I noticed elevating people mm -hmm. he always talks about covering them so at Al-Kaf Allah says that when people are raised up in stations that they're going to be given clothes green clothes of silk right mm -hmm. Allah himself has a hijab Allah himself covers himself mm -hmm. the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu when um, a sahaba said that if he ever saw his wife with a man he's going to go hit him with a sword mm -hmm. And the part, when the story came to the Prophet, the Prophet was, Are you surprised that he said that? I have more ghira than him, and Allah has more ghira than mm -hmm. I do. So now imagine if Allah has this amount of ghira, Allah Himself has a hijab. Us men also have a hijab. The hijab is nothing but an elevation. It's elevation and honor. I love an that you say that. For the sisters. And, and, and imagine, no. and imagine it's just like you said, when Allah wants to elevate someone, no. that he covers them. No. Imagine when someone is uncovered, this is a dishonor. When Adam, when Allah sent Adam alayhi no. salam and Hawa down to no. earth, no. what were they? They were naked. No, no, as a form of disgrace. Yeah, as a and form of disgrace. I want to no. make two points real quick. For this world hijab day, I don't want to belittle anyone. I don't want anyone to feel like we're attacking them because... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already honored every single man and woman with their own hijab. Why do you need to seek out another day for someone else to tell you, oh, let's feel honored this day or let's recognize all the hijab. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already recognized you. On the day of judgment, you'll see your recompense for you wearing the hijab, for you covering your adornments. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, a point that you guys make all the time is the sins affect our society. So when someone comes out who's a Muslim and says, oh, celebrating something like Christmas is just culture or it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything, then everybody else starts doing it as well. Look at the way that affects society. Sorry. Then we start thinking that this pagan holiday is okay for us to celebrate and partake in when it has nothing to do with the Quran and Sunnah. Mm -hmm. And then you have people who come in saying, oh, it has nothing to do with Islam. That's exactly why. Mm -hmm. That's exactly why. Why are you partaking in it? It has nothing, nothing to do with Islam. Do with Islam. What is our life? 
What is our life? To our worship life is Allah devoted to Allah. To get our to life Allah. is devoted to worship mm -hmm. of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if you do anything that is not in devotion to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's wrong. And when, and when you eat, when you eat, what do you say? You say Bismillah, right? In the name of Allah. When you when you're done, you say Alhamdulillah, all praise is due to Allah. When you go out and you you bathroom. seek a job and you or you go to the bathroom or you provide for your family, you mm -hmm. do whatever. You do mm -hmm. it for the sake of Allah. Why? Mm -hmm. So that you could be rewarded. And this is the foundation of religion. What did Ibrahim alayhi salam say? He says, uh, it was qala aslamta li rabbil alameen. Aslamta, I submitted my will to, the, uh, to Allah. And this is, and I understand people, they might have, like you said, they might have a pure intention behind it. But you have to understand sometimes, like, you got to give advice. Sometimes this is the truth. Like, it, it might, it doesn't matter if it seems like the funnest thing or the greatest thing in the world. Like, if, remember, religion, Islam, it brought that which is good. It brought which is good and, and. You like you just have to remember that, and you got to ask yourself: Does this make sense? Did like the companions do? Did the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam do? Look, just going back upon advice again. Your brother or sister in Islam, when they advise you, they want the best for you. They want to see you in Jannah. They don't want to see you end up in the hellfire. And now going, I'll, I'll, I'll even put it in worldly terms. If I have a friend and I tell them, "Hey, don't go out drinking, don't go out smoking tonight, don't get high," and they call me lame for that, I'm gonna feel a certain way. But I'd rather sat there and advise them not to do something and them call me lame than let's say getting a call later that, you know, they died in a car accident because they were drunk or whatever, mm -hmm. or they got into a fight or they got arrested because, you know, they, they were drunk. Yeah. Had I not sat there and advised them, had I sat there and feared that, oh, they're going to judge me because I advised them or they're going to backlash at me. They're going to call me lame because I advised them. Something I realized is having righteous friends is such an underrated blessing. He said, Exactly. So it's like, do you, if when he says deen, he's not talking about religion, religion, like Christianity, Judaism, he's talking about way of life because deen yeah. is a way of life. And so if you have people around you that are advising you, telling you not to do this, not to do that, you should hold strongly to them because those people love your relationship with Allah more than they love their relationship with you. Because they're willing to sacrifice their relationship with you and you have a relationship with Allah. And that is an amazing. That, that's, that's so, like, that's profound. That. That's, yes. a, that's, that, that's like hit mm -hmm. it on the tees, like a baseball. That's, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allah. And, and, that's, and that's, hold on, that's what the, these people need to take, like the TikTok uh, culture and the Instagram culture, and, like the comment and hating on people with social media platforms who say, like, who give reminders. And like, we've, see, we've seen it so much and it's like, come on, like, why are you hating on these people? Like, they might, perhaps these people are behind their phones. They're trying to sp spread good and do good, have good intentions. They might think like, oh, Allah's going to ask me about this. So let me give this person a reminder. And you're hating on this person. You told them to shut up. Like, come on. Or here's the other know. thing. Okay, like, they, they complain about certain people who, say things on social media, like, for example, these Muslim men podcasts. All right, we might understand the yes. Some some people might say something out of pocket online. It is also your right to advise them as well. Mm -hmm. Not so, to say that you hate them. Or exactly, they need to, to go out and publicly bash them. You can go out and publicly advise them, right? Because if something is done in public, you're going to go ahead and advise them out in public. But mm -hmm. you don't have to go out in public and be like, you know, we need to cancel all of them. We need to get rid of all of them. Because then what else are you left with? Like, I hate whenever people say, oh, yeah, Muslim men, they cannot be out here, you know, advising women on things that has to do with women in Islam. Like the Prophet Islam wasn't a man himself. I think it's the man in which you advise though. Yeah. So I've seen some Muslim men online. Wallah al Some of the stuff that they say. It's crazy. crazy. Yeah, it's 100%. Crazy. That's what I'm saying. And they, they need to be advised as well. Yeah. But here's, yeah, here's the thing. You advise them. You don't say take away the microphone, take yeah. away everything and let them keep thinking like that. Why would you let them keep thinking like One that? One of them was flexing. Oh, when my wife went into labor, I went to sleep. Yeah, yeah. See, I heard, I I, 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 I heard exactly that. I saw that. I'm like, bro, I, was, I looked at it. I was like, 
what is this? Oh, Scroll like, past. Like, what is yeah. this? But like, you give them the advice, though. Yeah. The sister should give them advice, inshallah. Like, or the yeah. brother should also give them advice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like tee up, bro. Come on. People have to understand, like, <laughs> one, of, one of the first lessons I was ever taught by my mother, especially when seeking a wife, was that you have to be gentle with her. Even mm. though there may be things, especially in this Western world that we live in, and feminism and stuff like that, people may want to be have this in competition certain, or dominance. Yeah, you yeah. have to be gentle with them. You have to under, like help them understand that as a man, especially Islamically, the woman has to submit to the man. That's just the way it is. Not in a way that she's my slave, but more so that like, okay, if I say something, yes, that it does go, but you are the, like, not the in a way that I'm controlling you. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not here to control you. I'm not here to, I'm only here to abide by the Quran and Sunnah. Mm-hmm. Nah. So the way that someone says something has to be the same exact principle. It has to abide by the Quran and Sunnah. You can't just go out there and say women should never go outside. They should never. Yeah, really of do course. That. Yeah, you as the man, you have the responsibility and the leadership, right? And uh, you know, your wife or you know, your woman who are living in your household have should listen to what you say, and you should submit to Allah, mm-hmm. so that you guys never go astray. Mm-hmm. And people forget that the re- the reason why Allah He's created like we have mates is so that we can find mercy in one another or find like comfort and pleasure in one another. Nice. They've, they've turned it into a competition. They turned it into a hating game. And it turned into a, who can point out the most flaws in one another. And it's just mm-hmm. like, like, come on, man. You're Many. tainting. And, and it's, I see it. All, it causes up so much controversy. And people don't see how Shaytan is spinning their heads round and round and round. Can I tell you how I... Oh, sorry. No, you go, no, ahead, no, go no. ahead. Go ahead. Can I tell you how I kind of go about that, though? Mm-hmm. Let's say that there's a sister, for example. She's like, no, guys are this and guys are that. And Muslim men do this and Muslim men do that. I just sit her down and I just, you make the person reflect for themselves. You ask them mm-hmm. questions. Would you rather a Muslim man tell you this or would you rather be, not know about it at all? Mm-hmm. Would you rather be in darkness all time or would you rather at least be known about it? And obviously the way that you advise is very important. Mm-hmm. The way you advise. Yeah, yeah, yeah of you course. You have to be gentle. You have to be nice. And you have to come in a non-judgmental manner. And you have to know who no. you're talking to. Here. That's very true. If you're not, very like, true, yeah. imagine people talk to, like, no. like uh, for example, a, a new Muslim, someone who just reverted to the religion, they talk no. to them like they're a scholar. Like, relax. The Subhan first thing that they need to focus on right now is tarheed, like their salah, their salah. Perfecting their faith. Perfecting their faith. But you come to them and you say, like, maybe, uh, uh, like, they break their wudu and salah, but they keep praying. And you tell them, oh, you're a calf. Like, come on, man. Or the, like, not even that. Let's go something less. Like, let's say he's still, a guy still wears earrings, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. he just come praying. But, you know, you are here like, hey, you can't be praying because you have earrings on. It's like, relax, brother. Like, hold on. Like, I, I even see, like, the most, one of the most people I, I see get hated on is the one with tattoos. Yeah. Like, I, I see a reefer online. They'll have tattoos. And people are like... Brother, you can't be a Muslim and have tattoos and yada yada. I'm like, where do you where are you guys getting this information you know the, from? You know the reality is, um, Hussein, remember uh, one of the first Umrahs we did and we went to Saudi Arabia and it was like during the time of COVID. We went and we did Umrah. I saw a guy, because you know you have the haram. I saw a guy, body covered in tattoos. Body covered in tattoos. And he was pushing his mom around the Kaaba. Allah. Look at the reality of the world. Like this is Allah will forgive these people. And like you, ha- you think you have the audacity to come and, like yell at this person, say this, 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 like yell at this. Person. Like there's even a story I remember hearing. Um, I went to a lecture and the sheikh he told the story about how there a new man just reverted at the mosque and he was talking to him and someone came up to him and said, "Brother, you need to get circumcised." Like come on, bro. He just he just reverted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just reverted, bro. You gotta let him truly understand what la ilaha illallah means. So that's like when you're talking to someone, say it like it's a Muslim woman. She doesn't even have her hijab on. Like and like when you're talking like uh, or say it's a muslim brother and he has his shirt off in public like you're, you guys are playing basketball or something like that like you have to know who you're talking to if this person maybe you see like uh you have to use your judgment you have to know like this person doesn't like know as much but then you inform him you go you take it gradually it's not just 
when the commandments came down from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even salah, how, yeah. did, how did Allah start with salah? Started very slowly. People mm-hmm. could talk in salah mm-hmm. at one point. And then people and pe- could even come to salah drunk. Drunk, yeah. At one point, people could come to salah drunk. <laughs> nah. And then Allah, it, it was forbidden like completely. Nah. So it's very, it's a very slow and gradual That's a step. great lesson. And even if there is, because at the end of the day, we have to understand that a lot of the sisters out there, for example, or brothers as well, they generally want the best for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe they may feel like if someone is telling them, oh, this is that, maybe they feel like it's coming in a hostile way. Yeah. So I think you have to preface, you have to say, okay, I understand that this may be your notion, but this is just my intention. Mm-hmm. And I just want you to be the best Muslim that you can be. And that's it. That's mm-hmm. it. And whether or not she takes it or not, khalas. You've done your part. You do, I've done my yeah. part. We need more of that though. And there was, there was, I'm pretty sure Aisha Allah was the one to say this, but it was like, if all the rules and regulations of Islam were to come down at once, no one would believe. Nah, nah. The hadith of the man who swore to Allah, he's not going to do more than the five pillars. He swore when, when he went and he asked the Prophet Sallallahu he said, I swear by Allah, I'm not going to do more than these five pillars. So meaning that you should do according to what you can. However, the man did not reject what other stuff that he can do, whatever more he could do. So if he could do more, go ahead and do it. Don't reject it, but do the best to your ability. Allah tells, yeah, Allah tells us yeah. to do our best. We're not going to sit here and be perfect. We're human beings. Day, nah. If you only do the five pillars, that's sufficient for you. Nah. Because that's all that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made fault upon us. Nah. Nah. So, and why so did he make it fault? Because these are deeds that Allah loves the most. Yes. Allah. Right. Beautiful. Beautiful. Let's, let's end it there. That's beautiful. End it there. So that's going to close out this podcast. Alhamdulillah. It was, a, it was an amazing, amazing podcast. I uh, just want to let you guys know, go cop this merch. They're donating, they're fundraising for Sudan and for Apparel. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we're going to Sudan, tag the them. land of the blacks. My bad. I don't got it on, guys. <laughs> we're going to tag them. Uh, so you guys can go for cop, inshallah. They're donating to Palestine and Sudan. Inshallah. Um, inshallah. Let us know if, what you guys think. Uh, let us know if you guys want Abdullah back on the podcast. Or, let them uh, know. Inshallah. And we got to get him on another trivia, inshallah. Because he took the L on the last one. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know that? Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Jazakallah, brother Abdullah, for coming in, coming on the podcast and, you know, taking this opportunity. And we hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Make sure you guys um, like this, share this with your friends and family. You never know whose life you can change by sharing this. And also... Join the Discord server. I've been trying to tell you guys for weeks now to join the Discord server. We're trying to build a large Discord server in the Ummah, and we can't do that if you guys aren't joining. All right? It's just illogical. And last but not least, we're still students of knowledge. We're not scholars. We're open to uh, correction, inshallah. So, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Thank you, brother Abdullah, for coming. Like, I really appreciate it. you have any last words? Nah, just thank you guys so much for having me. Of course. Thank, thank you so much. Wallahi, I've a- met them. This is the second time of meeting them. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've known you guys for so long. Sa- so welcome, <laughs> my brothers in Islam. Sa- 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 Islam, man. Alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa rahmatullah.